The Banquet, Pleasure as Religion. In this podcast, we discuss how our three writers, Abu Sa'id, Moore, and Cohen, consider the banquet a shared feast as religious event par excellence. A banquet is not any feast. It's not a body, obscene feast. It's a feast with a spirit that edifies and enhances our humanity. The workings of pleasure are not only spiritually purposeful, but also teach us what it means to be religious. Here, to be religious is to partake in a communal meal that nourishes body and soul. A bodily pleasure, food in this case, is the outer form of a deeper pleasure. But it's not a given. For bodily pleasure to become spiritually gratifying, we need to pursue it with a noble etiquette that orients us to others rather than ourselves. Etiquette here is not affected manners. It's not a matter of being formal and following protocol. It's simply to enjoy pleasure with dedication to one's table companions. The spiritual life of Abu Sa'id contrasts with notions of spirituality today that equate it with individuality and even individualism. The community that formed around his leadership was held together by a set of etiquette norms beyond Sharia rules, which allowed them to cultivate awareness of being in relation with one another as if a single body. They always ate in common as a sharing and not merely a consuming of food, and they always welcomed the poor to their meals, serving them first. Their spirituality was fleshy, communal, and society-oriented. It was a spirituality not of individual self-affirmation, but of affirming others. It was their etiquette that allowed them to forget the ego, its anxieties and distractions. Such self-overcoming, however, didn't mean abandonment of pleasure. Abu Sa'id and friends were always feasting on the finest of foods and dancing together to lyric poetry and song. How was this religion? Abu Sa'id's mastery of traditional religious learning as a child opened him to the heart of the divine message, joy in God. It's a fascinating story involving a key insight. Religion can't be about self-righteousness, pride in performing religious duties. If so, religion would be about oneself rather than God. In the end, Abu Sa'id realized that to be religious means to see all things not as the fruit of one's own efforts, that'd be self-pride, but as gifts from God to be celebrated. As such, all life's pursuits, pleasure pursuits included, become religious pursuits. One could even say that pleasure pursuits, if pursued as gifts from God, are a way to put divine favor on display. Abu Sa'id and company were great pursuers of pleasure as religious endeavor. Their feasts were sensual, lavish banquets with dance and song. However, this way of being religious got them into trouble with the authorities, who limited religiosity to acts of obedience. Abu Sa'id did not reject the religious law, but sought to fulfill it by offering his community a taste of paradise. Feasting served as a pre-enactment of the heavenly banquet to come. What could be more religious? Such feasting yields religious fruit, a sense of divine bounty that nurtures peacefulness rather than compulsiveness in the soul. For this reason, Abu Sa'id and friends held their banquets as public events, modeled not on the logic of individual consumption, where purchasing power determines who gets pleasures, 
but on a heavenly logic where all creatures get their equitable share according to delight and not according to worldly rank. Cohen, for his part, lived in a very different world from Abu Sa'id, but shared his understanding of the banquet as religious endeavor. The banquet, he says, signals the eternal peace that humanity will enjoy with God, and it trains us to act virtuously with one another. The banquet, Cohen says, brings peace to the heart, which we, in turn, bring to the world. The experience of the banquet, the joy it engenders, is consciousness-altering. Amidst a banquet, enmity no longer makes sense. Like Abu Sa'id, Cohen sees the banquet as a means to orient bodily consumption, something we share with other animals, to its human end. In short, the etiquette of the banquet makes pleasure human. The communal meal of the Sabbath shows that pleasure exists to leave humanity at peace rather than disturbed by its compulsions. But Torah is needed to provide the meal with the humanizing etiquette that ties the bodily pleasure to the life of the soul. Without such etiquette, Cohen suggests, eating would easily turn into a feeding frenzy and thus a delusion. In this sense, the banquet signifies the peace the world needs. It involves bodily pleasures, but also etiquette that reveals the purpose of bodily pleasures. Food is not just a process of bodily replenishment. Shared satisfaction puts us at peace with fellow creatures, exposing war as false pleasure. Our salvation as a species requires that we pursue pleasure in this fashion. Only then will we know abiding peace. The communal feasts of Judaism therefore have meaning for all because they demonstrate what we need to do to live in peace, which is the fundamental force in the human soul, but needs pleasure to be realized. Moore echoes Cohen in depicting the banquet in Utopia as icon of communal harmony, which contrasts to his own society, where the powerful take pleasure in dominating the weak. In Utopia, there's no private property and so pleasure can only be communal. One enjoys life's delights only when all do. Doing so is key to peace. The utopians only eat together. While partaking in food, they listen to edifying readings and engage in lively conversation. The evening meal includes music, incense is burned, perfume scattered. It's highly sensual etiquette, bodily pleasure that works to elevate the soul. Such cultural activity at the utopian meal parallels the role of Torah in Cohen's conception of the Sabbath meal. It brings out pleasure's true purpose, which is to ennoble our humanity.